Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. I'm John Eads. He's Ian Unsworth, and we are back today with another FizzCast, an absolutely loaded show, if I say so myself. We got Notre Dame this weekend, last football game of the season, two more basketball games, Niagara and Ryder. Be sure to check us out at orangefizz.net online. We'll have preview articles, all kinds of content there up all week, and check us out on Twitter at orangefizz. A lot of content will be on there as well, live tweeting during the games, things of that nature, and even this link for this FizzCast on SoundCloud and others. But Ian, let's start it off with football. Like I said, absolutely loaded show. This one's going to be pretty long compared to ones we've done in the past. Syracuse 1-9 traveling to take on the second-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish at 2.30 on NBC on Saturday. Yeah, John, Notre Dame has a 98% chance to win and... I think there's no way in heck Syracuse goes out to South Bend and puts up a competent performance. But let, let's break down some of our, our gen, general facts, get the fizz factoid in as well before we really you know get into the thick of things as we usually do here on this on these fizz casts. So 10th meeting in series history, Notre Dame leads 6-3, to three, and the Golden Domers have won the last three. Of course, Syracuse beat them in 2008 when actually it was a pretty similar season to this year. The Orange were floundering under head coach Greg Robinson, who was fired, actually, after Syracuse got smoked by UConn. Uh, Robinson had only won three games in his tenure as the Syracuse had three Big East games in his tenure as Syracuse head coach. Syracuse was having a terrible year, but they went to Notre Dame and somehow beat a stacked Irish team, Jimmy Clausen at quarterback, Golden Tate out on the edge. Uh, it's just like a plenty of names that we saw in the NFL. Kyle Rudolph was the Notre Dame tight end then too. So a lot of NFL players on that Notre Dame squad as there are this year. And Syracuse somehow found a way to win. The Orange, cra- crazily enough, won 24-23. And uh, Notre Dame missed a field goal at the end of the game to you know, clinch the win for the Orange. So, you know, that, that was 2008. This is now obviously... A big, big stretch in there, and obviously better quality coaching at Notre Dame, and a, a lot of differences in these two programs. Yeah, I mean that was a historic win. Just to you know, touch on that for one last second. Uh, Syracuse scored ten fourth quarter points to come back and win that game. A spirited performance by a coach that knew he was already getting fired. I mean that was just awesome. Something to go back. Uh, and look at, you know, as a new Syracuse fan, relatively. Uh, I posted the link on our Twitter if you guys want to go back and relive that game. I know we got a lot of old-timers on this uh, on this page, followers of the page, so check that out. But, Ian, Syracuse keeps getting Notre Dame at the worst time. 2018, they traveled to South Bend to play Notre Dame, uh, who went on to go to the college football playoff and absolutely smoked. Probably one of the best Syracuse teams in history, 36-3, to and it looks like this year's Notre Dame team is bound for much uh, a similar path. Yeah, Notre Dame already beat Clemson this year, and beating Clemson is an, a historic mountain to climb within itself. Notre Dame is bound for the college football playoff. They should be in the ACC championship game this year, and they've got plenty of talent, John. Are we about ready to get into it? Let's hit the Fizz Factoid first before I forget. Notre Dame owns the most Heisman Trophy winners in college football with seven and the most first-team consensus All-Americans with 102. That That is a lot 
of primetime players who went on to play on Sundays. It's pretty good, you know. I I mean, it's not it's not great, but it's you know no big deal. It's all right. Yeah. It's just just about all right. All right, so let's get into some of this Notre Dame personnel because there are a lot of names to know because there are a lot of players on this Notre Dame team that do great things for the Golden Domers. Ian Book is their quarterback, and while people have called him a game manager in the past, his abilities have been questioned, and I'm not sure if he's an NFL quarterback, probably a day two, day three guy. He spearheads a very balanced offense, averaging around 234 pass yards and 229 rushing yards. And John, watching Ian Book play this year, it seems like he makes all the right decisions. Yeah, and even when he makes the wrong decision, sometimes it works out for him. I mean, I, I don't know if you're watching the North Carolina game last week. It was during the Syracuse basketball game. He had a play where he just, uh, it was like third and five. He just kind of flipped the ball down there to one of his tight ends who we'll get into. And Somehow he came up with a pass. I mean, this guy is a gamer. He's seen it all. He's played on every stage in college football. This is everything you want in a quarterback. Yeah, I remember that play. The backhand flip falling down yes. on his stomach. He somehow just yeah. chucked it up there to a tight end. It, it, it was one of those plays where it's like, no, 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 yes. I think there's yes. one. The, yes. everybody loves those plays, especially if you're a commentator. You hear that phrase over and over again. But Ian Book, you're right, John. There's, there's, he's, he is a veteran. He's, he's got all the experience, all the intangibles to lead this offense. And they've had a very successful running game this year, which Notre Dame in the past is it, it, the running game's been on and off. If we're being completely honest, but sophomore Kyron Williams has been a game changer this year because he just breaks the game open. Absolute stud, 901 yards, 5.6 per carry, long of 65, 12 touchdowns. I mean, this guy is the offense. Originally, I put down they have kind of a two-back system with him and Chris Tyree, who's a five-star true freshman running back. But now, Kyron Williams completely stole the show uh, right around game three or four of the season, and he's really assumed that starting role. It's been his, and he has taken it and ran with it, literally. Yeah, he, he is a game-breaker, and Notre Dame will run a lot out of the single back, where Ian Book will be under center, and they'll just hand it off. Not something you see in today's offense, but they have so much confidence in their offensive line that seems to be good year after year after year, constantly churning out first-round draft picks, that they have no problem handing it to Williams over and over again, because they don't need to pass the ball that often, and it, they probably won't need to pass the ball that often against Syracuse. One of the best O-line factories in college football. If you want more on that, just go watch Dino Babers' press conference. He spent about a minute describing, using some very interesting adjectives to describe Notre Dame offensive ah, line. Always. Uh, from when he played always in the 90s. Interesting. Yes, yeah, he talked about the knee braces and how they were so long because they're so tall they're they're catholic they're international you know all these kinds of different things so you know just to paint a picture for you but when notre dame does throw the ball they have a variety of weapons to choose from michael mayer is their best tight end notre dame also known as a tight end factory of sorts i said kyle rudolph's name earlier cole Komet just into the league with the bears this year uh, just a multitude of names to point at if we look at Notre Dame tight ends. And they've got a lot of production this year from that spot. Michael Mayer said his name earlier, but he is extremely consistent. Great hands from the tight end spot. 300 yards, just over 300 yards this season at 12 yards a pop per catch. And the other guy, Tommy Trimble, just a freshman, but a guy who makes a big impact in the running game. He's he's not Chris Elmore big, but he, he is built for a freshman in college, and he makes all the right blocks in the run game, and he's also a threat you know, to leak out from the offensive line and catch a few passes. 
Yeah, Brian Kelly loves balanced tight ends, guys who can block in the run game and also get out in the receiving game. Michael Mayer, five-star, true freshman, known as Baby Gronk, second on the team in receptions as a tight end. That should tell you something. Tommy Tremble, not too far behind as well, but he's more of a running, uh, run-blocking guy. But like I said, very balanced. He can be a dual-threat guy as a tight end, if you will, and he excels in that role. And Notre Dame, Ian, had questions coming into the year. Who would be catching the passes on the outside? You know, Chase Claypool's gone to the league. They've struggled at that position uh, in recent years. Javon McKinley's their best receiver, and it really helps when you got those tight ends that can bail Ian Book out in certain situations as well. Yeah, another guy that's made a big impact, grad transfer from Northwestern, Ben Skoranek, who's had two multi-touchdown games. He had three touchdown catches against Boston College. He's a big body, 6'3", 220. He, will, he is taller than any of the Syracuse cornerbacks by far, and he makes his money by just being bigger than you. He runs go routes. He runs comebacks. He will catch the ball over any defensive back in the ACC. Uh, if someone's going to moss one of the orange defensive backs, I would put my money on Ben Skoranek. Well, legally, yes, because we saw it last week against NC State, a little push-off on Garrett Williams, but that's besides the point. You're right. Bennett Skoranek uh, came via Northwestern. He wasn't really an outside receiver there. He was more of a slot guy, but he's really transformed his game and really mold molded himself into a potential NFL receiver. Yeah. On the defensive end, Notre Dame's got a really darn good defensive line, and there are so many guys that get it done for them there. Daylon Hayes, who actually went to my alma mater, Skyline High School, for a year. he He's doing some dirty work as a fifth-year senior. Three tackles for 19 yards and a couple tackles for loss as well. There's so many guys on this Notre Dame defense that make plays. Another guy, Isaiah Foskey, who plays in the D-line. You know, we could get into the names, but I think this, you know, kind of sets it up. 12 sacks between three players on that D-line, and that's not even all of them. So 12 between three players, that, that's pretty darn good. Yeah, and on the back end, Kyle Hamilton, a former number one safety prospect in the class of 2019, he leads the team in tackles, and then sort of their hybrid guy who plays everywhere on the football field, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. He, he is literally the definition of a do-it-all defensive player. Absolute stud. He reminds me so much, Ian, and I know you'll remember this name, Jabril Peppers, who played at Michigan, oh, the yeah. Viper. Of course. He is everywhere. He can make plays in the backfield. He can cover. This guy could just do it all. He's an absolute beast. You're going to see number nine all over the place if you're a Syracuse fan. Yeah, Syracuse is going to have a lot to do on offense if they want any chance to compete against this Notre Dame team. John, let's let's just look, take a quick, I guess, evaluation of these things. I know the boys on Fizz Radio will talk about it a bit later towards the Saturday. Who is going to play quarterback for Syracuse? I have no clue at this point. We we everybody saw the fourth down spike last week. Um, I saw it on freaking Monday Night Football last night, which was absolutely great. Before my Eagles got spanked by the Seahawks, um, what is going to happen? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Dino said in his press conference that because uh, someone, you know, uh, someone asked the questions he absolutely hates. You know, what's the status status of this guy, that guy? He said, uh, "Well, you know, Jacobian, Jacobian, we're still evaluating him, so he might be able to go." You know, but it's probably going to be, be between him and Rex. We all thought Dylan Markowitz was going to make his debut against NC State, but it ended up being Rex Culpepper. And yes, he really screwed up in those last two plays of the game. But overall, I think Rex played an absolute phenomenal game. And how he did that was his first look on every single pass play was Taj Harris. And hey, you know, you can't really go wrong when you're throwing your number one receiver. Yeah, Taj Harris 
had a ton of production in the first half, kind of fell off as the game progressed, but I think the Syracuse offensive line just got tired. We so we just seen that over and over and over again. At the end of the game, the offensive line just dissipates, and it's 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 a free for all on whoever is behind under center in the Syracuse backfield. In terms of the run game, I'd really hope Sean Tucker gets it going uh, this Saturday, but it, it's going to be a real struggle. The defensive line of the other game, as we've said already, is good. Very, very good. They stopped Travis Etienne from running the ball and a 6'5", 220 mountain of a man, DJ Uyangalale. I just said that correctly. Heck yeah, let's go. Like, nice. there, there is no way Syracuse can move the ball on the ground against this Notre Dame front. If they could do it against NC State, I mean, I really don't expect him to do it against Notre Dame exactly. And what really was the saving grace for this Orange team against NC State was the turnovers and the passing game. And I just don't think Syracuse will be able to establish any of that uh, against Notre Dame. They're just going to key in and spotlight on Taj Harris, and really it's going to be tough to get it going. And uh, Ian, you want to move on to this last segment here? It's, it, it's not Vegas anymore. We're calling it Put Your Money Where Your Mouth Is. All right, and this Syracuse team has been Jekyll and Hyde all season. Right now, Notre Dame is favored by 34 points. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's pretty fair. I'm going to be completely honest. I think I think it's pretty fair. For some reason, Syracuse turned it up against Clemson, but I'm not sure if this Notre Dame game carries the same sort of luster. And with the rotating quarterback carousel that Syracuse has been on these past couple of weeks, I just don't, I don't trust the Orange to cover this line it's it's really big it's really big I know but I just don't trust the orange to cover this line however I will say I took the under last weekend and Syracuse suddenly put up points with a safety and a kick return touchdown so if stuff like that is happening maybe Syracuse covers but other than that they're they're not going to score points they're not going to score points right and I thought the same thing last week against NC State but lo and behold Rex actually found a little bit of something throwing the ball to Taj Harris. And it feels like every time we put money on Syracuse, I'm 0-3. Like, I'm done. They're so Jekyll and Hyde. You know, I put down on Boston College to cover. I put down Syracuse as the underdog against Louisville. Uh, and I feel like there was another time where I screwed it up. But, um, yeah, I'm staying away from this game. 34 points is a lot of blubber. I will say that. So, I don't know. If I were to put just two bucks down, I'd probably play Syracuse because I feel like the defense could play well enough to keep it within five touchdowns. But like I said, not, not going anywhere near this game. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of the over/under, we haven't seen one yet. But if we're picking a point total, I'm probably staying around fifty-eight and a half, fifty-five and a half. I think that's probably a smart choice, just because you expect Notre Dame to put up thirty, forty, somewhere in that range, and. Maybe Syracuse gets a few, you know, a late game touchdown, a gimme field goal. If something crazy happens, Ian Book turns the ball over. Some some, some sort of thing like that. Maybe that's where Syracuse gets the points. But they're not going to score enough to uh, really push that line over 60. Yeah, I'd say I'd go even lower than that, honestly. I could just see this being, uh, you know, a 35-3, 31-6, not, I don't know, type game. So I'd probably go lower than that. But like I said, the things I see with this team, like – you know, I'm always wrong. So at this point, whatever. But anyways, no, sorry, do you have some? I was just going to say, it's a roll of the dice with Syracuse at this point. You, you might as well just be completely shooting in the dark. No one knows. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for the football segment. So Syracuse 1-9 traveling to number two Notre Dame, and that uh, ranking could change. The 
Uh, new rankings for college football playoff are released tonight. They're 9-0. Kick at 2.30 on NBC. Mike Tirico should be calling the game, Syracuse alum. And, um, yeah, looking forward to that one. Final game of the season for Syracuse. I don't think they're getting in a bowl game. But, anyways, Ian, we're going to get into Syracuse basketball. But first, let's take a quick break, catch our breath. Everybody buckle in. This, sec this next segment is going to be a little bumpy. All right? Back here on the FizzCast, we're switching sports from football to basketball. Let's shift our focus as the football season closes. And Ian, the Orange 1-0 after a tight win against Bryant last week. But like we said, let's just uh, you know bottle that one up, throw it away, move on to the next one. The Orange taking on Niagara this week, that one on Thursday at 7 o'clock. And if there's anything we learned from last game, you can't take any opponent for granted. And certainly not with Barama Sidibe out. Sidibe is going to be out at least a month. I think that's the that's the estimated timeline for his recovery from left knee surgery. I believe it's a meniscus, torn meniscus, so that'll that'll sit our senior center out for a little while and Merrick Dolajai is moving to the 5. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I think it'll work for the time being. However, once ACC play starts, Syracuse is going to have problems inside. John, I know we just rewatched that Duke game yesterday and Dolajai was constantly getting tossed around by the likes of Vernon Carey, who's exceptional. He's exceptional. Javin Delorier was a very good backup, but we just can't have Merrick Dolajai, you know, in there for Syracuse. Who and no offense to Dolajai, but he he's not he's not that big. He's not going to be able to bang and bump with the likes of ACC centers. Schematically, I think he can play there, and it works on the offensive side, right? Syracuse going smaller. He's pretty crafty in there to his credit, but. Like you said, he's not built to play the five defensively. And I know Syracuse plays a zone defense, but, you know, just because you play a zone doesn't mean that's going to protect you from having to rebound against guys and contest shots under the rim. So, like you said, it's a short-term solution. Uh, I know Jim Beheim, Coach Jim Beheim, doesn't like to, you know, be criticized on who to play and things of that nature, but he's got to perhaps find other solutions off the bench. And speaking of off the bench, uh, Alan Griffin should be starting at this juncture in time after that first game because he was amazing in game one against Bryant. He had a double-double, 12 rebounds, which was co-leader of the on the Syracuse squad with Quincy Garrier. He was everywhere doing all the little things, and Syracuse is going to need Alan Griffin to be like, like Elijah Hughes was last year at some point in time. However, he's not there yet. And I liked how he didn't try to overexert himself in game one. He really stayed in his role. He shot some catch-and-shoot threes, but mainly he did the dirty work, allowing Buddy Bayheim and Dolajai to really play free offensively and not do as much work on defense. But the defense was the main issue because Bayheim and Gerard let the Bryant guards get whatever they wanted. And Ian, on that note, I got to ask, who is your starting five uh, on Thursday against Niagara? Well, hopefully... Hopefully, Alan Griffin's in there. I got to go Gerard, Bayheim, Griffin, Garrier, Dolajai. I think that's the most the logical starting five. Um, I'd personally love to see Frank Anselm get a lot of minutes, especially against two teams coming up that are small inside and weak inside, to put it bluntly. Uh, but I, you got to start. You got to start your experienced players, and you got to start the guys you trust. And Bayheim trusts all of those five more than anyone else. 
And Kadari Richmond as well. He had three fouls, which Beheim said prevented him from playing more minutes. I know we're all excited to see more of the true freshman. But without further ado, let's get into the Niagara game. The Purple Eagles, their mascot, uh, have only a 7% chance to win against Syracuse, a, a fellow New York opponent. Uh, they played last year. Syracuse, of course, won 71-57 in the Carrier Dome, but uh, a very spirited performance from Niagara, especially in the second half. And their head coach is no stranger to Central New York. Greg Paulus, former Syracuse football quarterback and a, S, uh, well, a Syracuse native, won the Joe B. Hall National Coach of the Year Award for the best first-year head coach in college basketball last year. Paulus certainly knows what he's doing. He is He's a heady dude. He obviously went to Duke and hooped there. He's, he's a smart head coach, and last year against Syracuse, he mixed the looks up. He ran some 2-3, ran some 1-3-1, and uh, a lot of man-to-man, obviously. Niagara can't really match up with Syracuse, but Paulus is going to do his gosh darn best to make it a competitive game. And last year, although, as you said, Syracuse won you know by double digits, Niagara competed. They competed, especially because they are a small team, starts a center who's 6'6", 6'7", they do their best. Yeah, and much like that Bryant team, they play small, and they have that mentality. They're underdogs. They play fast. They get out in transition, much like Bryant. So, you know, when I started seeing these things and watching the game last year, I was like, uh-oh, Syracuse really needs to get their stuff together, and they cannot overlook the Purple Eagles. We certainly won't be. But one thing to keep in mind, Niagara also had some COVID issues. They have been quarantined since November 9th, and they have only have four practices before this game on Thursday. So Syracuse went through the COVID issues and had a rocky start, as we all saw. So Niagara might be going through the same thing. While we will, you know, it's all it's all a complete up-in-the-air situation right now. Nobody really knows how good or how bad the Purple Eagles will be. They have not played a game this year yet. So I, I guess we're rolling the dice, start, uh, you know, t- this Thursday. Nobody knows what you're going to get from Niagara. Both Niagara and Ryder will not play a game before they play Syracuse, so that's something to keep in mind. Opening games, perhaps some struggles. And one more thing on Paulus, you mentioned he's from Syracuse. He won the National Coach of the Year Award last year, taking his Purple Eagles to a 12-20 and season, which you know isn't great, but they were picked to finish um, 10th in the Metro Atlantic, Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, the MAAC. And they actually finished sixth. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that's going to come in and do his best. He already has. And I think it's freaking crazy. He played basketball at Duke for four years. And then he came to Syracuse and played football and actually started. That's awesome. The ultimate college athlete. Yeah, he did it all. Niagara has some good players. Let's, let's Let's not sugarcoat this. Niagara's got a couple guys that could give Syracuse a little trouble. Nick McDonald led the led the uh, Purple Eagles against Syracuse last year, scoring 11, and he was 3 of 9 from 3. If he heats up, could be some problems. Uh, Greg Kuakamenso, I mentioned the small center. That's their guy. He's there. He had a double-double last year against the Orange. And then two other guys to watch, Marcus Hammond and Raheem Solomon, the guards who both returned from last year. Hammond, a unanimous preseason All-MAAC selection. Uh, that's the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. And then Raheem Solomon, third team preseason all Matt Ack. I guess that's what I'm going to stick with. <laughs> Matt Ack. <laughs> not, not the Mac, it's the Matt Ack. <laughs> so these these are guys that all play really well together. However, let's, let's be honest, John. Syracuse should not have an issue against Niagara. I know I said it last time, but they should not have an issue 
against the Purple Eagles. We'll certainly see about it. So that's the first game of two this week. So like we said, don't sleep on Niagara. They're actually a pretty solid team from the NAAC Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. That game, 7 o'clock tip on ACC Network X in the Carrier Dome on Thursday night. And uh, the next game, Syracuse plays Ryder. A quick turnaround for the Orange. They play on Saturday the 5th, 6 p.m. tip-off there. Uh, Syracuse a 95% chance to win. And by the way, did you know Ryder is in New Jersey? Uh, No, I didn't. I had never heard of Ryder before they popped up on the Syracuse schedule. They're actually called the Bronx. Yes, sir. And not the Bronx like the area of New York City. The Bronx like an abbreviated version of Broncos. <laughs> so, hey, you learn something new every day, right, John? Yeah, and here's something else you'll learn. Syracuse is playing the Bronx on the same exact day that they did 70 years ago in 1950. Ah. The uh, wow. the first ever time the two teams met. So there's a little second double fizz factoid for you. Yeah. Syracuse won that game 72-54. to And, I mean, Ryder has upset a couple of decent teams in the past. Most notably, they beat Penn State, uh, I believe it was in 2018, in college, not college station. <laughs> I did this before. In State Happy college. Valley. They beat Penn State in Happy Valley 71-70. However, most of the best players from that team are gone. It's a very young Ryder squad picked to finish dead last in the MAAC. And they're all four returnees are reserves. They're really filling this starting five with young guys that are inexperienced. And their top returning player was Christian Inks, who's a Central New York native. More on him in a second. And he had 4.9 points last year, so about five. And that's their top returning score. So, you know, yeah, I I, I was like, what? They're, pin- they're picked to finish last. I thought, you know, they had a lot of good players. Production come back now. It's a pretty much new team. A lot of transfers coming in. But their head coach has been there for a while. He's seen quite a few things, right? You're right. Baggett is in well, – Kevin Baggett, their head coach – is a member of the South Jersey Basketball Hall of Fame. He played for St. Joe's back in the late 80s. Some great squads in that Phil, well, great St. Joe's squads. And Baggett takes advantage of that Philly connection. He's got a lot of players on this team, including Christian Ings, John, who you mentioned, that are from the Philly area. That he, that's where he gets most of his prospects. However, he's lost a lot over the past couple of years, guys. Frederick Scott was one of their best players whom he made that game-winning shot over Penn State. And then Stevie Jordan, a guard who scored over 1,000 points, left the team as well. He graduated and, you know, ran out of eligibility. So that's where Ryder is right now. And and it's just they're, they're kind of at a standstill. It's a rebuilding sort of year after finishing third in the MAAC last year. And an 18-12 and 12 record last season, too. So not a bad year. I'm sure they may have competed for that NCAA tournament bid had they played their uh, conference tournament. But uh, his ninth season at Ryder, Coach Baggett. And uh, you mentioned Christian Ings. He's got uh, some connections from his high school, Newman-Garetti High School in Philly. Same school that Scoop Jardine and Rick Jackson attended. A couple Syracuse ballers from the early 2010s decade. And, uh, yeah, so he's going to be taking on a bigger role this year. Started 18 of 30 games last year as a true freshman, and he'll probably be leading the Bronx. Yeah, one other guy to keep an eye out for, transfer from Incarnate Word, Dwight Murray. He averaged 9.5 points last year at Incarnate Word. He's he's more of a distributor in the pick and roll, and he can shoot a little bit as well, but last year did a lot off the pick and roll. I, I would not be surprised if he struggles against the zone and Ings as well. Both of these guys are pretty small guards. They might have trouble if Syracuse puts Richmond out there, gets some length involved. Down low, Ajiri Ojimino Johnson 
is the Bronx big man. Only two and a half points per game last year, only stands 6'8". So this is a matchup that Dolajai should dominate, and he should not have any problem playing like a true big man against the Bronx. Dolajai shouldn't struggle, and Syracuse should not struggle if the Orange have any issue with this Ryder team. Pick to finish last in the MAAC. Uh, we got some real problems, Ian. So there you have it. There's your Ryder preview, your Niagara pre preview, the Notre Dame football preview. Any, uh, Ian, any last uh, thoughts, words? Yeah, John, you're right. If Syracuse struggles against Ryder, I'm I'm getting the panic button out, and I'm beating it over the head multiple times. <laughs> Well, there you have it. That's going to wrap it up for this week's FizzCast. For Ian Unsworth, I'm John Eads. Make sure to hit us up on Twitter at OrangeFizz and all of our preview content, all of our articles at OrangeFizz.net. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy all the games this week. And as always, go Orange. Go Orange.